This is episode number 39 of the Bearded Marketers podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. We drop new episodes every Monday morning around 10 a.m. You can find them at thebeardedmarketers.com slash podcast. And of course, you can also find them on iTunes. We do not have a sponsor for this week's episode. As always, we don't play that game. No, no sponsors. Except for if Goslings wants to send us a check, <laughs> but we'll get into that later on. Right. So anybody we mention on this show, it's just because we genuinely like the company, the brand, or whatever it is. As Corey just mentioned, Goslings. We like their ginger beer. So before we get into the episode, what are we drinking tonight? As a matter of fact, I am drinking Gosling's Ooh. ginger beer and Gosling's dark rum. That's oh, a dark man. and stormy. Oh, Gosling's. Do you have a jacket as well you're wearing? <laughs> I should with that much I've purchased from them. But And I am drinking a Presbyterian. So some Jack Daniels, some Gosling's ginger beer, and a mm-hmm. little bit of lime. Delicious. A quick shout out. Happy holidays to everyone. Man, This I think this will be the episode before Christmas. Absolutely. If you're out in the uh, snowstorm, sorry about that. Me and Rob are enjoying 70 degree weather in Florida in your face. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, happy holidays to everyone. And we'll have an episode before New Year's. Yeah, so hopefully, we'll save that for yeah, next Hopefully episode. you're sitting inside drinking some hot chocolate or and or hot coffee. And listening to the Beard of Marketers. Warm your soul. If you've missed any of the, you know, the recent episodes, catch up. You know, maybe start from number one. If oh, you're yeah. just recently picking us See up. See how far we've come. Yeah, exactly. A little rough in the beginning days. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Google has released and Yahoo, their top searches for 2013. So we're going to talk about the differences between the two, some funny things that we picked up on, and some interesting trends between the two. We are also going to follow up on a topic that we covered last week, which was Google caching email images and what that means for us that like to track our email marketing efforts. We're going to follow up on why that might be actually. Moving right along, nine ways to simplify signups. Are you trying too hard or you're making your users work too hard to give you that information? The answer is yes for most of you out there. And then lastly, wrapping it up, traffic mix. And that's all I'm going to say. So you're going to have to stick around (laughs) to figure out what I'm talking about. All right. So get us started top searches of 2013 even though the year's not over yet something could blow up you know you never know that's that's true because actually some of the top ones are actually very recent so okay so let's go down the list this is for google correct so this is going to be top searches globally and then we're going to get into the u.s a little bit later on number one nelson mandela number two paul walker both pretty recent so interesting that they were able to pull ahead obviously under a unfortunate circumstances so, uh, but. I, I think we were talking about this a little bit before the show but it, so this is from is this from google trends or is this from some other source because it would make sense if it was trending that it was recent but so is this this is searches that stayed at the top of the trends for the longest okay that makes sense that's an in, okay that does make sense all right so one and two certainly recent events uh, what else do we have on the list? We got iPhone 5S, pretty big device launch this year. I was actually kind of surprised that that one topped the chart since it wasn't anything revolutionary, but mm-hmm. iPhone does have a quite a strong following. So Corey, I'm going to butcher your name, Monothea, he's on Glee. It's one of the... Right, uh, so a few of the top three or top five or, or actors. whatever mm-hmm. actors. It's pretty interesting to see his name so high because I don't know what Glee's viewership is like worldwide, but this is global searches mm-hmm. and he was still number four. Number five, Harlem Shake. 
so many embarrassing videos. I'm wow. embarrassed that that's so hot for the world. <laughs> We're, we apologize as the US of A. Boston Marathon, Royal Baby, Samsung Galaxy S4. So Android creeping on up there. <laughs> Rounding out the list, PlayStation 4 and North Korea as number 10. Congratulations. I don't think they have computers there. They don't. <laughs> Right. Anyway, sorry for any North Korean <laughs> listeners. Top ten, they don't know it. <laughs> All right, so what are the differences? So that was globally, right? right. So, what, so what this are we is at for this the... is the U.S. What's interesting here is even though we're going towards the U.S., some of the people from the U.S. that we saw in the global trends are actually not some of the top ones gotcha. in the U.S. So the so, celebrities aren't as popular no, here in the U.S. This is interesting. Searches. So number one, Boston Marathon. Number two, government shutdown. Number three, VMAs. Thank you, Miley Cyrus. Number four. Tornado in Moore, Oklahoma. Royal Baby, because us peasants still like to check in on our uh, overlords in the UK. <laughs> Zimmerman Trial, Typhoon Haiyan, New Pope, Syria Conflict, and rounding it out, Mayweather versus Canelo. I'm surprised people actually wow. watch boxing. That but... was a large phrase, too, to be in the top right. uh, 10. Well, I think, you know, we actually kind of covered this, I believe, last week when we were reviewing some of the changes with Google Trends. I think how some of these lists work is these might not be the exact search right. phrases, but it's what Google extrapolates from. Yeah, they're the like grouped together. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So interesting trends. So what do you got for Yahoo? Okay, what are so, we saying over yeah. in Yahoo land? You know, you, you prompted this for a topic, you know, Google top searches. I thought, you know, it might be interesting to look up what Yahoo is doing mm-hmm. out there. For, for everyone out there, all those listeners, if you want to see the full list, the top 100, just Google <laughs> Yahoo top searches. The page is incredibly difficult to actually, <laughs> to actually scroll through. So I just pull the top 10 for everyone else out there because it's incredibly For some painful. of our listeners, Yahoo is another search engine if you're not familiar with yes, them. Yes, actually. You might be familiar <laughs> with their news articles. Articles, but they actually do have um, a search engine that you can use. All right, so top list, top 10. I believe this is United States. I mean, I, I would be surprised if it wasn't the United States. Number one, Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. So similar to the VMA thing, sure. probably the reason for that. Number right. two, Kim Kardashian. Wow. Not really sure what she did in 2013. That was... Living life. Uh, I guess married uh, Kanye West, right? Is that that the thing? She had a baby, too. Having the kid, yeah. So that's that's probably what she's up there. I do remember the picture of her wearing, like, what it looked like, a sheet or something like that. That was quite Yeah, fabric from your grandmother's sofa. (laughs) We'll tweet that out. Number three, Kate Upton. Uh, No comments on why she's up there. (laughs) Number four, Minecraft. Huge game. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Number five, Selena Gomez. No comment. Uh, breaking up with Justin Bieber, I guess, is the top reason why she's up there. Number six might be one of them. <laughs> number six, Obamacare slash Affordable Care Act. Okay. Number seven, Amanda Bynes. Number eight, Jody Arias. Arias. I'm not really sure how you say that last name, but the chick who was on trial. Uh, number nine, iPhone five, not the five okay. S. iPhone five though. So people at Yahoo are a little bit behind. And number ten, Justin Bieber. He fallen all the way to number ten. So. I think just looking Very at that list, there's just a ton of celebrities, wow. a ton of celebrity pop stars, um, and most of them being, well, practically all, no, all of them being females. I'm going to sort of just lump Justin Bieber in with that. Also, but, all very uh, young. Yeah. Well, except Kim Kardashian. Young at heart. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I thought it was interesting. I mean, definitely just all celebrities. Like, uh, you can tell what people go to Yahoo sure. for. Like, probably because they have a lot of the um, news articles, so they're covering true a lot that, of that true that. And the, also, they're... Their homepage is very image heavy as well. I mean, it's more like an entertainment destination, which is maybe like influencing a search. And maybe yeah. I don't ever use Yahoo, but maybe their image search 
works better or people use that for celebrity no, images? I don't, I don't know. Think so I, I know Bing's uh, image search is supposed to be pretty That's good. True. That's what I've heard. I don't use it again. Allegedly. I don't. I don't know. Use anything but Google, so I wouldn't know. So all right, interesting trends between yeah. the two tools. If you're looking for celebrity gossip, head over to Yahoo. Dust off your uh, address bar. If you can't remember how to spell it, it's Y A. <laughs> H-O-O.com. If, if you don't know how to spell it, Google it. It'll autocorrect for you. You'll find it. Trust me. I wonder if Google actually does something funny when you search for Yahoo on their site. You know how they have certain They, they autocorrect it to Yoohoo, the chocolatey drink. <laughs> to confuse you. You mean Google. <laughs> a little bit of humor for the holiday season. So moving along to a more serious topic, Google caching images. So last week we covered what that meant from a technical standpoint. So there's been reports from a couple of people on the internet where they've seen Google caching email images. Now, long story made short, this has some big implications. If you own a business, you send out emails. A lot of the tracking and information that you get from your email reports relies on users downloading your images and emails because then your email service can actually learn things about the users as they're downloading the images. They can look at the IPs, they can look at the location, so on and so forth. So when Google caches an image, what that means is they will gather all the assets of your email, including the images, and actually store them on their server. So when, let's say I'm the end user, go and look at your email, I'm actually downloading now from Google instead of you. So all that information now is lost or potentially lost because, you know, our the transaction is no longer between me and your email server. It's now between me and Google and you've been cut out. And the reason why that is actually happening as it's kind of surfaced over the last couple of weeks is Google is going to be testing and potentially moving forward with no longer asking people if they would like to download images. They're going to just go ahead and serve up email images by default. So to ensure that that is going to be a good experience, they have opted to cache the images because they have a good data network servers to support it. And they can ensure that as long as they have the assets for those emails, they can render and send it to the user in, in a speedy fashion. I, I did see, I don't know if you saw this on the Gmail official blog. The reasoning was sort of primarily privacy concerns, mm-hmm. right? So people who aren't aware of just all of those things you just covered, that the fact that you can get sort of geolocation information and the fact that you even opened an email from images, Google's disabled that sort of by default by caching the images. So mm-hmm. so that's important. I think the other thing too, you know, that you mentioned is that they want to have images on by default. I think what I read was that middle of last week, week. So if you're listening to this now, that's two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, that sort of rolled out to most people is that by default, you're actually seeing images now if Google Mm -hmm. has cached the images from that email. So I was reading a few blogs around the web of people who are like involved in email analytics. I'm not really sure if you've read anything from anybody out there, but apparently what this means now is that your open rates just sort of Take a dive bomb. Any, anybody who's using Gmail, you don't know if they've opened your emails, mm-hmm. um, and you certainly don't get any geolocation information on any of those people because Google essentially downloads those images once, and that's it. So that's all you're going to see from your back-end analytics. Uh, so I think a lot of the major ESPs out there have adjusted their backends to account for this for right. Gmail users. So if you're using a major ESP out there or you're doing a lot of email analytics, email sends... 
uh, shoot an email over to your ESP and see what they're doing to correct for this, if they're doing anything, mm-hmm. because your stats will certainly be changing. Sure. And it might mean that you have to get a little bit less aggressive on some of your campaigns. If you're doing some pretty aggressive geo-targeting or things like that, you might need to rely on just historical data, or you might have to develop campaigns to try to get those certain users on a landing page on your site to actually get some of the information that you might have garnered just with them opening up mm-hmm. an email and then communicating that to your to your email list. So check and see if that's been... A, I mean, it's going to affect you. I mean, yeah. Gmail is a big enough service where it's going to be a segment of your population. Uh, you know, I, I think it's pointing to a larger trend in the industry, um, especially with Google products recently, that mm-hmm. we are getting less and less data as marketers mm-hmm. um, about everyone that we're trying to track out there. I mean, with Google Analytics dropping all the keyword refer information mm-hmm. and now this change inside Gmail that we don't know when people are opening our emails... I think it's a trend towards greater privacy online. We have to account for some of that stuff. I think a lot of us have gotten used to this level of trackability, you mm-hmm. know, online. And I think we need to maybe sort of step back and, and realize that some of that stuff's maybe not going to be available in the future. Right. And to think more holistically about our marketing and not so about the numbers. So anyway, that's my little Well, and I think a lot of people kind of get lost in that granularity too. They find comfort in all these numbers, but they don't really know what to do with them anyway. Yeah. So I think it'll just make the smarter marketers rise to the top anyways. So Gmail email caching images. We found out why that was happening. It does have some pretty big implications from an email marketing standpoint. Check with your providers, see how they're adapting to it and how your campaigns might need to change as a result. But it'll be interesting to see what the future holds for that. So moving on to kind of a topic we haven't, I think, delved into recently, maybe on the usability front Mm -hmm. or some getting into user frustration. But you wanted to cover some nine ways to simplify signups and how you collect like lead information. Yeah, absolutely. So as an intro into this, so when I say signups, I mean, you know, this could apply to a couple different scenarios, but people signing up for your free service, whatever it may be, people signing up for your paid service for that matter, or people going through an e-commerce path and then being forced to create an account or choosing to create an account. And how do you optimize that signup form slash process to make it as easy as possible or as easy as possible for people so the particular checklist I'm going to go through here, it's got nine points on it. It's actually from the Baymard Institute. I know we've talked about them before in the past. They've got some really Quality great stuff. studies. Yeah, absolutely. This is actually a blog post from 2011, I believe. Mm-hmm. Still relevant today. I, I'm going to skip don't over. Change. Yeah, I'm going to skip over a couple of things that may not be as relevant, but there's okay. still definitely some good things in there. So let's get right into it. Number one, use my email address as an account identifier. Come on, I don't want to have to have a username. Do I need a username everywhere I go? Mm -mm. Uh, Even if I do use a username, it's the same one that I've used everywhere else because I'm not secure and I, you know, (laughs) I just do that. So Mm -hmm. also I, I can't think of a reason why, can you think of a reason why you need I mean, aside from creating a social marketing account, right? So like a Twitter sure. uh, account, I don't, I don't, I can't see a reason why I need a username. Use email addresses as usernames. That's number one. Number two, allow me to use the password I always use. Now, I know that this is not maybe the ideal way that people should be using passwords, but what this is really getting to the heart at of is, you know, I go to my banking website and it's making me use one capital letter, only numbers no special characters, and I need an underscore or a dash in there, right? And I then think I, you have to have your left leg above the ground <laughs> when like you sign in. These as well. crazy restrictions on what you're allowed to use for a password, then you go to some other site and they use some other methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff is crazy. Just let them use 
standard characters and any sort of order they want to use them in. That kind of stuff really frustrates users and can confuse them and totally stop them. Right. Uh, if, if they're Especially putting in a password. Got, like, you talked about special rules. Sometimes you have to read through those like a couple of times to, okay, what, so what can I use? What do you mean exactly. by alphanumeric? And you get into some of these nomenclatures that we might be pretty familiar with. Right, the programmers use, the inter- use yeah, yeah, we use it as programmers, but normal people don't know what the hell you're talking about. This one applies to not even just, not only just account signups, but any sort of lead capture form. So ask for additional information after I've created my account or after you've already captured Get a little bit of information. details first. Split it up into a couple steps if mm-hmm. you can, especially if you're asking for some stuff that I need to think about or if I need to upload a profile picture or, you know, whatever well, like it ask is. Ask me on my first login or something, you know, like delay yeah. it out. Yeah, absolutely. Here's another one. So that was number three. Number four is if you're going to make me use a username, mm-hmm. tell me if it's already taken before I go through the rest of this process and then you come back and say, Surprise. sorry, that's already taken. Mm-hmm. I think that can apply to mostly any any other form field. So, for example, the password one. Correct. Validate it on there, right, with JavaScript and, right. and tell the user, hey, you just entered a password that you can't use. That way I don't go through the rest of the process and then have to start all the way over back again at the top. Right. Um, do I really have to type random letters and numbers? So this is talking about captchas. I'm sure everyone's mm. experienced these mm-hmm. things. Uh, they're especially troublesome. I don't know if you've run into this on Google. Oh my Google, I've I can't read yours. Those probably fifty percent of the time. <laughs> I can't read them. And I'm at not all. a robot. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's yet to be determined. Well, but um, so I think most of the time, though, you can get around captchas with using other methods. I know I try to, on a lot of the sites I manage, we have a lot of sign-up things and people, mm-hmm. things that people interact with that we want to cut down on spam. My last resort is using a captcha. I try to use a lot of other filters and checks to try to filter people out who are mm-hmm. trying to uh, sign up for multiple accounts and do all of that other kind of spammy stuff. Sure. Number six, sign me in automatically. So that's, I don't know if we really need to cover this on a sign-up form type thing, but that seems obvious to me. If sure. you're not doing that, what's going on here? <laughs> Right. Number seven, make my welcome email easy to find. I think this is something that maybe actually a bunch of people have gotten away from recently, and that is that they're trying to be cutesy with their Mm -hmm. subject lines Mm -hmm. and with their from lines, like being personally from a person. It makes it difficult to go back and find that email if I need it again to remember what my username was Mm -hmm. or whatever it is I'm trying to find. Make it straightforward and say, your new account at whatever Right. That so way I can, I can find that again. Exactly. Find exactly. Number eight, show me the sign up form on your homepage. Seems like a given. A lot of companies actually don't do a very good job of that, though. Mm-hmm. They make you dig around, go down to the footer to find the sign in. There's actually you a few services we use. HostGator. Try to go on their homepage and try to find in the login. Where is it? Straight call out. You know who else is bad is, is FreshBooks. Oh, you yeah. actually have your own URL domain, to, line in, right. to sign in from, and they don't let you sign in from anywhere no. else. I'm sure there's some sort of weird reason for that. Sure. But in my mind, I can't think of it, and it just really <laughs> is annoying. One I would add in, too, I don't know if you were going to add any, but one thing that I'm surprised that more people do not do is rearranging your fields to where you can actually pre-populate things. So mm. what do I mean by this? Someone to sign up, and you might be asking for address. Well, you could ask for country and zip code first, populate state and city based on that information. They don't even have to fill that in. Mm-hmm. And getting more smart getting more smart. I speak good. 
getting smarter about how we extrapolate information from our users and where we can help them out, where we can easily do that. In a similar vein, I know that this is something I've mentioned on podcasts in the past, is don't disable autofilling of forms. I can't tell you how many times I go to pay for something or sign up for something, and I go to the name field, and I'm expecting the drop down for my saved information in Chrome, mm-hmm. so I can autofill everything. And, and I no, ain't got time for all this. This web page has disabled autofilling. Why? Why would you ever do that? Number one. Number two, sites that screw up the name fields, I guess, for certain fields Mm -hmm. so that even if it is available, it doesn't fill it out properly. Come on, guys. This is uh, dev stuff 101. If your website does this, you need to talk to your web devs right now. Maybe find new ones. Yeah, I I was going to say, talk to some other ones that you can replace them with. All right. Think about some ways where you can simplify signups. It's also kind of a good case. I always like running through signup forms with your what i would call your non-traditional users so maybe snag your grandma maybe your mother-in-law someone that's kind of outside the industry because i think sometimes we get really hyper focused on what we're doing and we lose sight of what can hang people up and snagging one of those people can help you identify where you might be confusing it also might be the case for something usertesting.com or or someone to do a usability study from and getting a sample of maybe 10 to 20 people and see if there's a common thread of where people are expressing some confusion. So take a look at those, especially if it's very important. Definitely worth running through some usability. Last thing we'll talk about tonight, this is more of a theoretical, but we were reminded of it again this week, is be careful of, I guess, building a house of cards on single sources of traffic yes so by the way excellent show sorry house of cards on netflix i still have not seen it yet i'm still reeling from the wrap-up of breaking bad and i don't you know (laughs) I, i was a big fan of sons of anarchy yeah but even after breaking bad it's like i just I don't know if it'll compare. House of Cards will. Okay. Shout out. Okay. Sorry for the interruption. Anyways, so I think we both have had experiences in the past where we've built up sites or businesses and you find your niches that work really well. Maybe you found an in with ad center you found your ad groups that work really well it's like gangbusters it's it's just working i mean money is just raining uh you're drying your tears with the hundred dollar (laughs) bills but then all of a sudden things change radically and things dry up and you've concentrated so heavily on milking that cow and not developing other revenue streams or marketing efforts that once that happens, you're just like in a scramble mode or or really whole company can die out or a product. And I just wanted to challenge some of the marketers out there to not rest on your laurels. It's kind of assumed, but I think we can often forget about that until it's like too late. Yeah. I can't tell you how many companies slash websites I've run or worked with who have relied very heavily on, for example, AdWords. Mm-hmm. And then the account gets banned or paused or locked down by Google Whether Um, it was like nefarious or not. Right, exactly. Just because sometimes that happens. Mm -hmm. And then now you got to get on the phone and explain yourself. And your company now is not making any money for weeks or possibly never again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or, you know, relying on Google traffic. And then you get a a Google slap and now you don't get any traffic. Mm -hmm. And what was once making a lot of money every month uh, is not making anything. Mm -hmm. I think 
of all the web traffic sources available, probably the safest is email. But even that one is not uh, guaranteed rock solid. Right. I mean, IP block gets flagged to spam. Exactly. And, there are all sorts of technical things that could happen. You get too many spam complaints on AOL, and now you're <laughs> you're not whitelisted anymore, and your ESP is complaining to you, and now you can't send emails. I mean, I think just basically the point that you have there is is so important, and I think a lot of people miss it because they get early success with a certain channel, focus on it, heavily optimize it, keep working with it, and ignore the rest of the channels, which are so important Mm -hmm. to make sure you have a well-balanced business in general. Um, and, and, it's not to, and it's not to say that it's it's not okay to get a majority of your traffic from one source. If something's working well, then obviously it makes sense for you to spend time on it. But don't just write off everything else because you've tried it once, it didn't work, so we're just going to really concentrate on X because... Like you said, there's nothing for sure in our industry. I mean, there's nothing for sure really in life other than people are going to search for celebrities on Yahoo. (laughs) But you can really set yourself up not just for failure, but for really threats to your business could eventually cause it to close down if you're, again, just relying on single sources out there and those dry up for whatever reason. Whether it's a mistake on a search engine's part, maybe you get misflagged for spam. Yahoo and Google aren't the best at customer service. Hopefully you can bend someone's ear. They get you re-indexed. You get slapped on whatever ad network you're doing. Or like you said, your emails. IP block gets flagged or you get de-whitelisted. Nothing is for sure out there. So take this holiday season. Enjoy some eggnog if that's your thing. Watch Home Alone or another great Christmas movie like Die Hard. (laughs) And think as we look to plan for 2014, how safe am I? We're never really safe, but have I really built up my business? Diversified portfolio. That's the way that I'm going to say it. Professor Rob coming (laughs) with true words. Think about that as we're planning for 2014. And maybe that should be top on your list to, again, protect yourself and insulate you from risk. So this has been episode number 39 of the Bearded Marketers. Again, happy holidays to everyone. It is the holiday season, so we hope you're enjoying it. Again, we'll be thinking of you as we are in 60 and 70 degree weather in your face. (laughs) But hope you had a great time with us. If you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, give us a call 904-270-9603. Rob mans the phone day and night waiting for your calls absolutely also feel free to give us a call if you're struggling with something we have a lot of experience in the industry but we also have a lot of context as well so if we can't help you out we can certainly get you in contact with someone who can again this has been robin court the bearded marketers and we'll catch you next week